Amen. Great singing. There is nothing like praising our God together as a unified church. It's, it's tough to beat that. Well, today is a special Sunday. I want to welcome the kids with us who, are, who have been invited to join us in the service today. Could we all give a hand for the kids for a second? Yes. It's great to have you all, kids. I know there's not as many kids that are normally in the classroom. Maybe, maybe daylight savings hit the parents hard this year. That could have, that could have been what it was. Uh, but nevertheless, it's all good. I'm glad you're here. Uh, the reason I invited the kids in to the service today is because the passage we're in, Ephesians chapter 6, part of it was written directly to the kids. The kids are addressed. And Believe it or not, that may not sound like a surprise to you, but that was actually really rare for this day and age. This was very uncommon that kids would have been addressed because children were seen and not heard. Back then, uh, 30 years after Jesus died and rose again, if your parents didn't know Jesus in that culture, I mean, you didn't have toys or TV shows catered towards you for all your parents to spend all their money. I mean, it was just like, you do what I'm t- you're told to do and just follow me and that's it, all right? But the fact that God addresses children in this passage says something about our God. It shows us that you don't have to be all grown up. You don't have to, you don't have to be that mature person for God to still care about you. And for God to still have a plan for you right now in your life. So I'm really glad you're here, kids. I know you have a blast. I know know you have a lot of fun up in your kids' church. I hear about it every week. In a lot of of ways, you do exactly what we do here. You know, you worship God. You sing to him. You open up the Bible. You learn truth. You ask the Holy Spirit to change you. And that's what we're doing here today in Ephesians 6. I'm calling this message the family table. The family table table, and we're going to see in this passage in these four verses, four legs that support a flourishing home, four different specific things. And the interesting thing about this passage is it's versatile. These four truths that we're going to see today, they aren't just for kids or for parents. Now, they do, they do work for people who are in the home, most definitely, people who have kids right now in the home with them. You are going to hear a lot of practical stuff. But even if you're out of the home, there's stuff here for you. There's specific ways that you can now relate to your parents. And even if you are out of the home, maybe you don't have kids, the interesting thing about the versatility here is that these same four truths that support this this flourishing home, those same four ways are the ways that we relate to God, our Heavenly Father. And they, are the sa- they correlate perfectly with how we interact with God and grow in our spiritual relationship with him. So let's be mindful of all of this, these moving pieces that relate to you in more than one way. And let's read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. All right, so for our first leg of the table, I need a volunteer. I need a volunteer today. Um, I'm not sure where, what, our, what our screen's doing right now. Let's go back. Let's go, yeah. All right, well, we gave it away. That's all right. That's all right. I need a volunteer anyway. Can I get a kid to come up here and volunteer with me? 
Anyone at all? Any, any children? I know I'm putting you on the spot. You're not used to this. Oh, somebody. Somebody's got to do it. Anyone? Anyone at all? Like, don't be shy, kids. I need a kid to come on up. I got one right there. Perfect. Perfect. And you know what, buddy? You can, you can read this piece of paper. Yeah, Jace. Here you go, Jace. Wow, this was harder than I thought. You want to tell everybody what that says? Oh, yeah. It's obedience. 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 Thank you. We got it. Obedience. You want to hold that up? Just show everybody? Thank you for volunteering. Give Jace a hand one more time. Thanks, Jace. All right. You can sit that down. You can sit it down right here on the table. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. And you can go back to your seat. Thanks a lot, man. Ephesians 6, 1, children obey your parents. See, it wasn't that hard, right, kids? Okay, it's gonna get easier from here. But children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. This is a very simple and direct command. We've all heard this one before. But why is obedience such a big deal? Kids, do you see it in verse one there? Why does God lay this out as his plan for the home? Obedience, first and foremost. Well, it says in the Lord, for this is right. And if you don't have obedience, if you don't learn this in the home from your parents, you're going to have a really hard time learning this in any facet of life. You're always going to have authority. And your parents' authority, you're not obeying them just because they're older than you, just because they gave birth to you, okay? You're obeying them because God has placed them in your life as the authority for you. And God's plan is for you to obey your parents. And when you learn how to obey your parental authority, you are also learning how to obey God's authority. So you know this, but sometimes you don't think about it. You're not supposed to live with your parents forever. It's only about 18 or so years, all right? And if you're in fourth grade, you're halfway out of the home. Think about that. Is that a scary thought, parents? Fourth graders are halfway out of the home. Uh, so it's not, it's, this is going fast, and you need to learn from your parents because your parents have been there. They've done a few things. They, they have lived a life. They have things to pass on to you, and they are here to steer you in the right way. And when you get out of your home, you're also going to have to obey authority. So learn how to do that now. Learn how to love other people now in obedience. When you learn how to obey in your family you are learning exactly what you need to do outside of the home as your parents are preparing you to live under God's authority and to establish a new family. My, uh, my dad talked to me about this a lot. Um, it goes without saying that your parents want what's best for you. And when I was growing up, my dad would often have these conversations. He would get down on his knee Son, look, this is, I want you to understand this. I've gone down this road before. I've done this stuff, the same things you're doing, and this is the direction you're going, and this is where it leads. These are the consequences of this path. I don't want you to learn this the hard way. I want you to, like, learn this right now. And it would be very wise for all the kids in the room to listen to their parents because your parents do love you. I know most of the parents in this room, and I know you love your kids. I mean, that's, that's God-given. Of course you love your kids. And if the parents, if the kids can just understand that your parent wants what's best for you, just like God wants what's best for you, 
it's a whole lot easier to obey. And when we see in the Bible where God, anytime God ever says, don't do something, or if God says, wait on something, every single time God is saying that, he's doing it for your own protection. We, we have to realize he's doing it for your good. And that's the same way with our parents, or at least it should be, as loving parents. If you were telling your kid no, you were saying that because you know what's best for them. And I've, I've, I like to say it this way. I've heard this way a few different, different ways. But if God says no, what he's really saying is don't hurt yourself. And that is the same way this parent relationship with their children should work. I don't, I don't want kids to have to learn. I don't want my kids to have to learn all these lessons the hard way. I want them to learn how to love others, and I want them to get that now before it gets hard. There's a lot of parental implications here as well in this passage. The simple fact that children obey your parents in the Lord, that implies that there's going to be some rules, right? Otherwise, the kids wouldn't have anything to obey. So I know this, is, this might sound crazy to say out loud, but you almost need to say it now. Parents do need to give rules and guidelines to their children. You're not stifling the creativity. You're not, you're not hurting the soul of your child by steering them in the right direction and putting out parameters for them when they're young. When kids are very young, they need nourishment, they need protection, and the older they get, if they are learning that, there's going to be more and more freedom, and that, and that role of the parent even evolves over time to where now they're giving more advising and they're giving more counsel, but especially when children are young, they don't know what's best for them. I mean, they don't know that, that sugar is going to be really bad for them, Right? So uh, you need a parent to steer them in the right direction and explain which, which direction to go. And with, with kids, especially young kids, they need to learn, hey, why do I say what I say? Why do I not say that? Well, it's because this is something Jesus Christ would have never said. Jesus Christ builds up with his words. He doesn't tear people down with his words, right? You learn how to love like Jesus, and that's what parents are doing for their kids. If you don't have structure, or rules, you have chaos. And is what you end up with is little kids who turn into spoiled brats who no one wants to be around because they're making life miserable for everyone. So you do need to establish some rules, establish some order in your home. Now, I know this isn't easy, especially uh, when you add kids into the mix who take the same personality traits that you have, right? <laughs> they, they take all your bad traits, and they, and they have some of those things, and they're living them out, and you see that in your little child. But I know there's also, there's no child is the same. Every child is different. And you know you see those families that have like five kids, and all five of their kids are perfectly well-behaved, and they just entertain themselves, and they're like floating around with little, like little angels with smiles on their faces. And you're just like, how did that happen? <laughs> I, I need some parenting tips from you. I need some compliance tips, okay? If you could help me out, that would be great. I know this is not easy to consistently explain the why. This, this is, it's way easier, right, just to say, hey, do what I said to do and stop talking. 
It's way more complicated to go into the motives and to consistently, time after time, point your child back to Jesus Christ. But that's what parents are called to do here. Teaching obedience is a huge responsibility because it's the way your children ultimately learns how to follow the authority of their Heavenly Father. They're learning how to obey God. And that is the ultimate authority that they need to be prepared to follow before they leave the home. Now we have another leg besides obedience. Uh, but before I move on to that leg, I want to just talk quickly about what that, what that also looks like specifically. And my mom growing up would, would say it this way. Obedience is when you obey quickly, sweetly, and completely. I don't know if she stole that from Mary Poppins or not. It, gets, it's kinda, it could go either way. But that's what she would say. I love what my wife, Julie, says. She says to obey is to do it right away with the right attitude. Okay? That's really good. I, thank you, Julie. That's, that's great stuff right there. But true obedience is following the direction that your parents are steering you. And, it's, and it doesn't mean you say, I don't want to. They, they know you might not want to. That, that has nothing to do with it. Um, letting them know that you're not happy about it is not obedience. As a matter of fact, the Bible calls that something else. It calls it murmuring and disputing. And that's never a good thing. So if obedience is the action, this next leg is more of the attitude with obedience. All right? So I need one more kid volunteer. It's not as scary, right, kids? Anybody? Any kids coming up here? Oh, oh, I know, you, I know you, you're thinking about it. You're thinking about it. Here, I'll let you, I'll let you read this. What does that say? Honor. Honor. Honor is the second leg. Yes. Thank you so much. All right, there's the second leg, honor. This verse goes on to say, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Okay, so honor goes with obedience. God's plan and his vision for the home is that it be a place of honor. And based on this passage, why is honor a part of the family dynamic? Well, you look at verses two and three, you see why God says that this should be happening. Well, there's a promise there. That's really amazing that, that Paul points out. But God says you should honor your parents. This, and he's the one who's made the home. And this is the order that he's established. He created it, and this is the way he wants it to be. Based on this passage, we see that just like parents want the child they bring, bring up to flourish, God wants the home that he brought up to flourish. And you can't have a flourishing home, and you won't even have obedience if you don't have honor in place. You can't, remember, you can't, we just talked about this. You can't have true obedience without that, without that attitude of respect and honor. Teens, for those of you who are no longer children, you know, you've grown, you're growing up in your adolescence, you're going to be leaving the home soon, you know that you won't always have to obey your parents. One day you will be out of the home and you will start your own 
family unit. And you will not be required to obey. But you will always be required to honor your parents. And as a matter of fact, you don't even have to respect someone very much to show them honor. You really don't. You can show honor to authority because God gave that authority to you and God placed them in your life. That means we need to speak graciously. We need to express gratitude. And we, some of us who are out of the home, some of us adults, maybe we can just make a few phone calls every once in a while and keep your parents in your life. Don't throw away that advisory role. You know, it's so complicated to raise a kid these days. There was a recent stat that came out that if you raise a child from age zero to 18, you know how much money that costs on average? Get ready for this. $250,000 to raise one child from age zero to 18. I know some of us are just having a heart attack right now because I have, I have three kids. Look out. <laughs> we have to make a lot of money. Uh, that's the average. I, I think we can get by without 250K. But regardless, thank your parents, right? They sacrifice a lot for you. They care for you. They do more than you'll ever know until you are a parent yourself. And one of the beautiful ways that you can honor your parent, parents is when they are older and they lose some of their own capacity, the roles start reversing. And this is the way it should be. This is the way God designed it to work, where the children that, that a man or woman, adult, takes care of their aging father or mother. And that's a beautiful picture that, that God has established in the home. Paul is quoting Exodus 20 here, and this is the Ten Commandments. And he says this is the first commandment with a promise. He is highlighting that if you honor your father and mother, your family will flourish the way God wants it to flourish. And this may sound all syrupy sweet. Oh, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. The truth is, science backs this up. There is a lot of hard data that confirms what God is saying here in this passage. Study after study show a correlation that your overall health is actually very connected to your health with your parental relationship. It, it, it's, it's just a fact. Um, there was a study in Toronto that studied 300 people for 15 years. It just recently came out. And it showed that people who have a good relationship with their parents, they have a lower sense of depression, they have higher self-esteem, they have higher levels of intimacy with other people. And people with parental relationship breakdowns, these people have increased alcohol abuse. They have higher high school dropout rates. They have a much higher rate of unwanted pregnancies, just on down the list. People who honor and get along with their parents, they feel better, and they are, they are a better influence, and they're more well-adjusted in society. It's just the way it works. This shouldn't be a shocker to us. The scripture tells us to honor our parents that it may go well with you. And that is such an important leg of the family table. Parents, I also hope you realize this isn't all on your kid. 
all right? This isn't all, the weight of this isn't all on the child just to honor their parent either. I mean, they don't have an out on honoring you because you can be a bad parent and not care and they should still show honor. But you can make it really easy or really hard for your son or daughter to honor you. Your attitude, the way you react to people, the way you talk to people, you are teaching your kids how to show honor. And if you're showing someone who is weaker than you, who is, you know, maybe doesn't have the same influence that you have, if you as an adult are showing grace and respect and you're honoring that person because they're made in the image of God, you are showing your child how to respect people and how to honor people. I mean, I have seen parents at the pool, like, call names to their kids, almost bully their own children. When you are doing that, you're not teaching your kid how to show honor. I don't think anybody has a problem showing honor to someone who they know either loves them or they know this person has done something for them. Think about that in any facet of life. I mean, we just, we just lost, as, as a society, one of the best basketball players, Kobe Bryant. You know, most, most people didn't personally know Kobe Bryant, but he received so much honor after he died. Princess Diana, you go on down the list. Think about how we honor people who give something to us. This shouldn't really be complicated, your kids will naturally want to honor you when they see how much you sacrifice for them. But the point is, as parents, we need to be loving our kids, and we need to be doing those things that God calls us to do for our children. When you honor people, parents, and you respect people, you are teaching your kids how to honor authority. All right, so now we got the first two legs down, right? obedience, honor. Now in verse four, Paul is going to pivot from talking about directly to the kids. Now he's going to focus on the parents. So maybe it'll be a little easier to get a volunteer. Can I get a parent to volunteer for this one? Or, or a, a soon-to-be parent. I don't know. Anybody. Anybody. I know. Rebecca. Yes. <laughs> This, here you go. What does this say? What does this say? We're on the edge of our seat. Discipline. Discipline. All right. Ephesians 6, 4. That's our next one. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There is a cruel way to discipline your kids, and it's also the lazy way. All right, the way that just says, I want it my way, I want peace, I want quiet, I want you to make everything run smoothly in my life right now, that never really works out, okay? That comes off as very harsh. These are the 114 rules that you will follow in my house right now. But it's lazy to be the drill sergeant because all you're doing is shouting out commands and you're not teaching. You're not instructing your, your children. If you're taking out all of the conversation and all the effort 
to get, to get into the motivation and the motives and the why, you're taking so much of the truth right out of the equation that you need to be presenting. It's more work to have less rules and more freedom and constantly reshape thinking. It's way more work to do that than it is to just say straighten up and do right. But as parents, there is a warning here in the text that is very real. You can easily discipline in a way that causes your child to get angry and just to resent that, um, that authority that you have. And if you ever have a system where the kids just can't win for losing, you have a bad system. That's not right. We have several things that we value in our home, obedience and honor. They're there, all right? But right along with that is simply, I want our home to have fun. I want there to be laughter. And that's the way we all need to, we all need to have that goal and strive for that. Because if you're doing fun things with your kids, you're actually proving to them and showing them that you do care for them, that you enjoy them, and that you want to have fun for them. Isn't it the same way God works with us as his children in life? He wants us to flourish. He wants us to have joy. He, he has created us and gifted us. He wants us to use that talent for his glory. And he wants you to have peace in your life. So parents, the same way with our kids. But when you do things that are fun with your children, you know, get donuts on Saturday morning. You stay up late and you tell a story. You do fun stuff like that and you say yes as much as you can. When you have to say no, then your child knows, you know what? I know my mom or dad, they, they do care for me. They like to have fun. So if they're saying no right now, it gives them an understanding there must be a reason why. So it's super important that we all as parents know that disciplining your child isn't just about saying no all the time. It's about creating a culture where they know you love them, they know you, that you want them to succeed, and you can point back to the fact that, hey, if, this is, if we need to go a different direction here, it's for a good reason. Disciplining your child is a course correction. It's where you point out the direction that they're going and you show them that that direction needs to be adjusted. You're lining up offsides a little bit here, okay? Let's turn the steering wheel five more degrees this way because I know where that is headed. That is what the idea behind the word discipline is. We have to kind of erase this whole mindset that discipline is the same thing as punishment. Discipline sets true north. And our goal, our mindset when we discipline isn't just to correct and make peace. Your goal through discipline should be to lead your children in the right direction by pointing them to Jesus Christ. That's the definition of, di of discipline. What is punishment? Punishment is suffering the consequences for sin, for a bad mistake. And who took the punishment? Who doles out punishment? That's God's to dole out, okay? And God put the punishment for our sin on his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ died for our sins, taking that wrath of God, the punishment of God, which is separation from God. Jesus covered that on the cross. So as parents, we're not punishing people. That's God's job. He punishes sin. Jesus died for sin to forgive sin. 
So a lot of us will never face the punishment of our sin if we know him. But your role as a parent is to discipline them and lead them in the right direction by pointing them to Jesus Christ. Let's read Hebrews chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. If you can turn there with me. Hebrews 12 is a great passage that actually describes what this discipline looks like. Hebrews 12, verse 9. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us as we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight the paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. The obvious point in this text is, yes, discipline is not fun in the moment. Discipline is not easy. It's not enjoyable when it's happening. But discipline is something where you can make straight the paths of your feet. And that's what you're doing as a parent who is disciplining your kids. I'm ending all of these points with some practical takeaways. And I made a list about how you can discern between teaching your kids, directing them in the right path, contrasted with just provoking them and making them angry. All right, so there's a lot of ways that we can go wrong here, but let's just look at this list. The first one is, with your kids, expect them to act their age and don't be unreasonable, right? If your child is not tying their shoes, they can't, they're forgetting all their homework, they're not doing anything right, you know what? Remember, they're not even in kindergarten yet, okay? They're going to act their age as a parent. Don't be unreasonable about that. Another one, celebrate their uniqueness. Don't compare them to others. That puts a lot on a kid. Are we ever to compare ourselves with other people anyway? <laughs> Who are we supposed to compare ourselves to? Jesus. Jesus is the one that we compare ourselves to. So with your kids, don't make it a whole comparison game. Another one is highlight the positives. Don't constantly express disapproval. This is a hard one because you can always have something to point out that's negative, right? Like, do this. I need this to happen. Oh, oh, look, with your children, if all you're saying is no, if all you're saying is pointing out all the negative things that are going on, that's a lot to bear. So highlight Hey, thank you for being polite. Thank you for, for, for apologizing to your brother without even me asking you. That was great. You highlight the areas where they're, they're stepping it up. And it creates a culture where they're encouraged because they know this is what makes a peaceful, happy home. Another one is develop their strengths. Don't pressure them to pursue your goals. This one is obvious, but it actually also needs to be said because it's so easy sometimes for a parent to just want to live out their own glory days through their children. You know, when you see that passage in Proverbs, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. When you get into the original language there, it's talking about you as a parent need to find out what are the strengths of your own kid. What, how has God 
talent, like gifted your child with talent, and those are the things that you're supposed to nourish and bring up. They're not going to like everything that you like, and that's okay. Model grace and patience. Don't be overbearing. Okay, another easy one. It it speaks for itself. Give them attention. Don't be disengaged. Being a disengaged parent who's always on your phone, and then the only time you show up is when you need your kid to do something, that is going to build resentment. That's going to provoke them to anger. Okay, you're not doing yourselves any favors there. And here's the last one. Keep Jesus at the center and don't worship your child. This is a very important one. And honestly, this is where I, I started my whole list at this. I started my list as, how do you actually provoke your child to anger? Well, if you make your child the center of your universe and you put all that weight on them and you're always over them making every decision for them, you know, there's gonna come a day where there's gonna be a heartbreaking breakup. Because your kid is not wired to have that kind of relationship with you. Moms, you shouldn't be best friends forever with your daughter. That's not your, your God-given relationship with her. You should have a relationship with Jesus Christ that's deeper than that. You should have a relationship with your husband that gets way more intimate than that. Okay? And when those roles get reversed and when parents start, start just doing everything they can with their kids every step of the way... It creates a lot of problems. As a matter of fact, a lot of companies right now that, that specialize in just hiring millennials, they are very familiar with this phenomenon that is really happening in our culture where parents just don't even let their own kids hardly make their own decision because they're just always hovering over them. They're always there. And, and companies now know that with millennials, one of the key reasons why there's so much anxiety, there's so much pressure to perform when they get out in the real world is because they have had a mom or a dad literally suffocate them their whole life. It's not the way God created the parent relationship to be. You to instruct them in the way that they should go and you were to prepare them to live on their own. So controlling and advising every move is not helping them for real life. That's the third leg, and we got one more leg. I need a dad volunteer for this one. You probably know what this is going to be. Yes. All right. Thank you, Dan. Let's see what we got here. Tell us what that is. Instruction. Instruction. There it is. Thank you, Dan. Notice discipline and instruction of the Lord, okay? And it says, fathers, do not provoke your children. It specifically points out and zeroes in on the fathers. Have you ever wondered why God is zeroing in on the dads here? We've been talking a lot about this the last couple weeks because we had a message with the wife in the home. We had a message with the husband in the home. And what we've seen in Ephesians 5, 23, specifically in black and white, is that the father is the head of the home. And if you've been with us in these last couple messages, you know that has nothing to do with equality, that has nothing to do with uh, ability, nothing at all. This is just the God-given role with two equal people who have a unique gift and, and role in that marriage. So fathers, really, this hinges on you. This, this, 
the obedience in the home, the honor in the home, the instruction, the discipline, you are the one who is steering that ship. Okay, you are navigating that wheel. And yes, there's complementary strengths in the marriage. It's a beautiful thing. But you are the one who's going to answer to God as the head of the home for what happens in your home. And I know if that rubs you the wrong way still, you haven't listened to the last couple sermons, please go back, listen to those. Um, But there's a lot of hard data that backs this up as well. Same thing. Lifeway did a, did a study recently, and they found out that if a child is the first person in the home to make a profession of the faith and confess their sin, repent, turn to Jesus Christ for their salvation, if the child is the first one to do that in the home, there's actually a 3% chance that everyone else in the home will also make a profession of faith and become a Christian and live for Jesus. That's, that's, that's awesome, right? If the child does that, there's a good chance, there's a decent chance there that'll happen. If the mother is the first one that professes Christ, there's a 17% chance. So it goes up from 3% to 17%. If the father is the first person in the home to know Jesus, to find Jesus, to turn his life around, there is a 93% chance that the rest of the home will follow. That's just the fact. Tony Evans says it this way. Uh, Tony Evans is a great pastor in Chicago. I love what he says. As goes the man, so goes the family. As goes the family, so goes the church. So goes the church, so goes the community, and so goes the community, so goes the nation. And then he goes on to say, if you want to change a nation, change the community. If you want to change the community, change the church. If you want to change the church, change the family. And if you want to change the family, change the man. Yeah, Tony. All right? He's saying something that we see repeatedly patterned out in the Scripture. Men, bring them up. It's the same phrase that we saw last week where Jesus was nourishing and cherishing his bride, the church. That's the same thing you do. You're cultivating hearts. You're pouring everything you have into it. And Deuteronomy 6 is, uh, is a great passage on this. If you want to take your Bibles and turn one more place, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7. Actually, I got it right here. I'll read this for you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And then verse 7, you shall teach them to teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your home and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. We are to constantly talk about God. And in our home, paint that picture of the gospel and show who God is. It may sound exhausting. I realize that. But instructing your home on how to fear God, how to love God in every facet of life is a marvelous calling. It really is. And maybe, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom and, and you're with kids all day, every day. 
And it gets like, it's like feeling like, wow, am I really accomplishing much? I don't have a career. Having a career is amazing as a woman. Like, we're all for that. Some moms are stay at home. And they feel like they haven't, they're not as accomplishing as much as other women. Well, here's the thing. If you take every opportunity the Lord gives you to point out, well, this is why that's painful. This is why that's wrong. This is, this is, this is contrary to the nature of God. And you contrast darkness with light, <laughs> when you see it on the playground, when you see it at the family movie night, when you see it wherever you see it, in the grocery store, on a road trip, if you consistently take all those moments and all those opportunities to say, this is how Jesus loves, and this is what we're called to do. We shouldn't, we shouldn't speak that way. We shouldn't act that way because that's not the nature of our God. He's honest. He's just. He cares when we're always pointing that out on those endless opportunities, we can contrast brokenness in the world without God with the love and the justice of God, and we can do what we're called to do, and that is disciple kids. You're teaching them how to love God, and when they get out of the home, they can love others. And here's the truth. Even if you're not talking about God, you're already doing this. You're, you're teaching your kids something. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. You are teaching them something. No matter what you think your kid is picking up, your kids are a lot more smarter than you realize. They, they know what's going on. They, they can pick up on all these things. You know, they're so discerning. If, if money is your thing and you're living a life of materialism, do you realize your kids are going to follow, follow the same foot? If, if you just want to have fun and, and, and pleasure seek your whole life, your kids are going to see the same thing. And they're going to follow the same direction. So you have to ask the question, what message am I sending to my kids? Am I showing them that I'm committed to God's church? Am I putting value and priority there? They are going to see how faithful you are to your wife. They are going to see how loving you are to your husband. And they can even see how much time you spend with God because it shows in the home. They have a really good idea of what's going on there. So you're teaching them something with how you live your life. How you live your life is instructing them in the way that they should go. Worship team, you can come up right here. So those are the four legs. For this family table, obedience, honor, discipline, instruction. Those are the four biblical legs that we see from this text. And as I said at the outset, you don't have to be in a home right now with more than two people <laughs> to put these same principles at play in your relationship with your spiritual family. With God, your heavenly father, are you obeying? Are you honoring him? Are you listening to his instruction? Are you taking that discipline from the Lord? Everyone plays a part at the family table. If you take one of these legs away, you take honor out, you take obedience out, you take instruction out, or you take discipline out, if you take one of the four out, you have a very unsturdy table. 
This, would, this table would fall apart if one of those legs was gone, would it not? We have to realize that you all play a part. And for those of us in the room who are right now under their parental authority, you're going to be a parent one day, most likely. Maybe not, but it's, there's a decent chance. Or at least you're going to have someone in your life where you're an authority over them. Just know right now, you actually have it as easy as you ever are going to have it. Because as time goes on, the bar just rises and the pressure builds, okay? So right now, just learn how to love. Obey and love in the home. And when you get out of the home, it's going to be a whole lot easier. You need to learn that as soon as possible, all right? Now's the time to learn that. If you're a full-grown adult, you're no longer living with your parents, make some phone calls. Don't just push off that relationship. You can still show honor to your parents. Now, I also know there's probably some parents in the room right now who have, they're hearing this and this is heavy for them because they feel like they failed. And they, they almost feel like they just blew it and their kid doesn't honor them because they don't deserve to get any honor. Look, if that's you today, God doesn't want you to live in shame either. The only thing you can do if that's you at this point in your life is you can go to your child, your son or daughter, and you can say, hey, look, I am sorry with how I did that. When you grew up, there were some things I regret. I wish I could take it back. Will you please forgive me? I don't know what that will do, but I guarantee you it will be a catalyst to start something. It will it'll do something, okay? And you can end up restoring a relationship that you have with a child. That's the beauty, beautiful thing about God is when we ask him to forgive something, he will put it in the past. With these relationships with the home, we can, we can turn it around today by making the decision to do what God has asked us to do. Whether that's obedience, whether that's honor, whether that's whatever that is. In Ephesians, we have been seeing that every relationship we have is a platform to share the gospel, right? They all are. Our relationships with our friends in the church, our neighbors out there, the husband, the wife, we're showing obedience, we're showing submission, we're showing sacrifice. All of these relationships paint that picture of what God has done for us. And the way for our families to flourish is for us all to do our part and to bring glory to God. You can bring glory to God in the home. You can bring glory to God the way you parent. You can bring glory to God the way you go up in that home and grow up in that home and submit to your authority. So let's all, wherever you're at, take all of these intricacies and say, I want to show the world and my family at this table how God has changed me and what God has done for me. Let's stand up, and we're going to sing to him about that right now.
hanging out with. You are here, moving. 